This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, some of whom are okay, but some of them are great, like Michael Mays and Lisa French. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. listening to lightning strikes thrice the jrpg games club podcast that enters your view as first okay this is season eight episode two covering all the tutorials in xenosaga episode three i'm your host chris taylor my pronouns are he him and with me today is sybil arnett she her this one is really fucking me up ryan Beatty, they them matt marcus he him the following is the game's own description from the database of the events between Xenosaga 2 and Xenosaga 3. Typos correct. Buckle the fuck up. Yeah, uh, basically an entire game happens off screen in light novel format, and this is the condensed version they give us. TC-4767, half a year since the destruction of the planet Milsha was brought about by the Ormus Patriarch Sergius. The Gnosis phenomenon, occurring in the star systems throughout the Galaxy Federation, was accelerating its rate of expansion, and more than 30% of all solar systems had suffered devastating damage. The Galaxy Federation government and autonomous states viewed the situation as critical, and made advancement of the grand anti-Gnosis Zohar project their highest priority. The contact subcommittee, too, were frantically dealing with the situation. It was at this time an incident occurred in which planets' major cities were attacked by Gnosis. Localized Gnosis phenomena had been observed numerous times before this point, but this incident differed in a significant way. The damage was always centered around a specific urban area, almost as if an intelligent factor were at work. These events would later come to be referred to as Gnosis Terrorism. Yuli Mizrahi of the Contact Subcommittee commissioned the Kukai Foundation to investigate. The mission would be undertaken by Junior, Jin, and company. Cannot believe this is only a fucking optional-to-read database entry at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Jin visited the site of an attack where he encountered a girl calling herself Nephilim. Shortly thereafter, their path was blocked by Doctus, an agent of the mysterious Scientia organization. Believing the girl to be involved in the incident in Subway, Jin drove off Doctus and turned over the girl to the custody of the subcommittee. The contact subcommittee's examination revealed the girl was a special type of realian. In addition, they detected in her brainwaves the same wave pattern data as given off by Lemageddon. Interruption incoming. <laughs> It was a program created to analyze the Zohar during the era where Lost Jerusalem existed. That program, however, had fragmented during the Milshin conflict. It was scattered through the UMN in the form of Lemageddon fragments. As Jin's group continued their investigation of the girl and Lemageddon, they discovered the series of attacks was being caused by a man named Grimoire. 
but the Gnosis under Grimoire's control attacked the contact subcommittee lab where the girl was being protected. Yuli and the girl were trapped in the occupied lab, and Yuli sent a message to Shion Uzuki, chief of Vector's first R&D division, requesting rescue. Shion accepted Yuli's request and, stealing Cosmos for the fifth time, stormed the lab. Shion's group succeeded in suppressing the Gnosis rescuing Yuli, but the girl was captured by Grimoire. Working together with Doctus, who had been searching for Grimoire herself, Jin and Xi'an finally discovered Grimoire's location. But Xi'an learned there that the UMN, Vector, and her own father had been involved in the incident. To uncover Grimoire's true nature, and to rescue the captured girl, Xi'an resolved to break into a region of the UMN that was under special Vector control. With the help of Skientia, Jin's group, and the girl herself, the incident finally drew to a close, but learning of Vector and her father's involvement in the incident weighed heavily on Xion's heart. Unable to endure her emotions any longer, she finally left Vector. And yes, you heard that right. The direct lead into Xenosaga 3 is bitches be feelin'. <laughs> so, this extremely important bit of backstory that is a whole ass game that happened between two and three is part of one of two pieces of side content that they released in between Xenosaga two and three. This is all from the missing year light novel. And just like some of the other points that aren't covered in this particular database entry. The first is that blonde Defilim is a dark Momo. All right. So grimoire is a terrorist who is able to mind control a Gnosis to attack special sites uh, has hidden himself Freedom within fighter. the UMN uh, within like a <laughs> right within like an extremely high level part of Vector, and then it turns out that other Nephilim is the Realian vessel used to store the consciousness of his dead kid. But unlike the Momo Yuli situation, where Yuli was like, "Oh, actually." you're a different, you are a different person. You are a whole separate consciousness and I will love you as my daughter. He's like, no, fuck off. You're just a vessel. I don't give a shit about you. Bring me my daughter's consciousness back. And she freaks out and turns into a gnosis. She then gets unnosisified somehow. But yeah, this shit fucking fuck wild. So am I supposed to know what the deal with Faye is right now? No. Okay. Is this this is a real we're doing we're, we're this is a real Kingdom Hearts basically is where we're at is uh you don't just play Xenosaga episode three. <laughs> so I did the first time through and it will oh, explain so high, buddy. some things. They're gonna cover a bit of this in dialogue, but a lot of this is still glossing over. We didn't mention Grimoire is the original scientist who found the Zohar and did research on it. Because remember, Nephilim was his kid sucked into it in yeah. roughly the, the our time The guy who period. messed with the Zohar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. There's all that. That's extended canon that <gasps> comes up in the thing and doesn't go anywhere. Almadel, the dark Momo, as Ryan referred to her, is dead at this point. And mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of things that happen in the end of that. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. The dark Momo, also the no-no. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, that shit that isn't in this database entry at all is anything in Pied Piper. And uh, we were talking about it before Cass and Sybil. Do you, should, we, should we just get into, get into the basic beats of Pied Piper before we launch into the game? 
Yes, let's, because there's a little bit about it that's some speculation that I want to bring up when we talk about a character. Sure, yeah. So you kick this one off, because I need to take a drink. Yeah, absolutely. You've, you, um, all right. A hundred years say you've earned before. it. What are you, Nestle? I didn't. <laughs> Fuck you. I no, didn't that's say all Ryan was it. about to say. <laughs> <laughs> She was just talking for a long time. Mm -hmm. You would need to take a drink after that. That's all I was saying. And I did. You know, if you if you inhale a lot of hot air, you don't need to take a drink because you're no longer thirsty. <laughs> mm. All right. A hundred years before the events of Xenosaga episode one, the Federation and the Ormus immigrant fleet have been kind of there have been tensions for a, a while. And also the UMN is, like, part of the world now. And so, you know, things... Kind of a different world state, but there's this group of special, like, murder cops, investigation cops, uh, that are led by our man Jan Sauer, Ziggy's former, you know, human counterpart. And they're investigating a series of murders that are kind of happening through this like, it seems like someone is diving into other people's consciousnesses via the UMN and murdering them. Also, whoever this mass murderer is also murders, like, a bunch of babies. And the true uh, communism. it turns out... Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that this murderer is the UMN persona of one of Jan Sauer Ziggy's subordinates. And he's developed this split personality where he's still a cop in the real world, but when he goes into the UMN world, he loses all his hair, becomes Voyager, and tries to... He talks about it like he's saving people from death by essentially, like, consuming their consciousness, taking them onto himself, and then feeding them to Udu later. He's like, no, listen, it's like heaven for them. It's fine. I have furrowed my eyebrows so hard that it hurts. Uh, basically, <laughs> you should take Voyager's comments on this because we never get a yay-nay on it as very the Zodiac killer talking about they will be my slaves in the next life. That's what this comes off as. Right, right. So, like, we find out that also the reason why he's in the UMN in the first place is that he was part of this, you know, massive group of artificial humans called designer children who because they were genetically manipulated he's got a congenital brain disorder and he loses his memories unless he goes into his umn mind palace while he's in his umn mind palace he makes contact with udu the absolute fear that udu instilled in him is what causes him to start um voyaging eating people <laughs> yeah voyaging he starts he starts eating people not like physically eating people but you know mentally eating people in order to uh try to stave off the end of the world this or is just the plot of destiny's children i don't know that one it's a sci-fi it's a sci-fi book series it's pretty good i'm aware of it i just don't know the details i, I right, just know the brand right. <laughs> so like no fuck off man <laughs> <laughs> so like all right Another part, before we get to, like, the big inciting incident that turns Ziggy into Ziggy, is that also Dmitry Yuryev is still part of the Federation. Uh, he hasn't, like, fucked off to, to do the Yuryev Institute. Also, uh, it's a hundred years ago, and Dmitry Yuryev is just kind of, is, is just chilling. 
He is the person who gives Voyager the brain drugs that help Voyager, and it seems like he also has a connection to Udu, but I'm not... Because I read the fan-translated manga of Pied Piper, I'm not entirely sure how much of Yuriev's backstory is in Pied Piper and how much is going to be revealed in episode three. So I don't want to get too into Yuriev and Udu, but like, you know, he's there, he's scheming with Voyager and eventually is like, nah, I can't do this anymore. Short version, he learns that Udu exists via Voyager as proxy, and that's what leads to him founding the Institute. That's the next thing he does after Pied Piper closes. Got it. Right. So the big inciting incident is that Voyager, who, you know, again, Jan Sauer's subordinate in real life, he lets his body just die and only exists within the UMN, but is able to, you know, appear in real life. And because he realizes that Jan Sauer and his team are getting too close, he murders Jan Sauer's wife and kid in front of him. Uh, we also do get like the meet cute of uh, Ziggy meeting his wife and kid in in Pied Piper as well. And he's about to kill Jan Sauer to take him into the Voyager consciousness be- like before. And at that point, Jan Sauer is like, absolutely not. Okay, and no, just- no, no, no. You're underselling this moment. Okay. This yeah, is right. where Go for it. the final scene of this game is... Voyager says, you can be killed and become, you know, my soul slave that way, or be a testament with me and live forever. Because by this point, Voyager is the Black Testament. Hey, suicidal guy, you want to live forever? Well, that's (laughs) the decision he's given. He's not suicidal. And Jan goes, fuck you, fuck this, fuck everything, and blows his brains out as a third option that will deny both choices. I regret Mm -hmm. saying anything. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's fucking wild because, like, at one point, Voyager tries to contact Udu itself, and Udu doesn't answer. And Will fucking Wilhelm pops up and is like, "Uh, sorry, Udu, not not the kind of consciousness thing that you uh, make deals with, but you can make deals with me." And so at that point, Wilhelm's like, "Listen." There is a proto-realian that's part of the team that Wilhelm, like, basically installed a- a- on the team as, you know, with because of the Vector Federation uh, cooperation pact that they've had to seek out s- people who are special enough to become Testaments. And that's how Wilhelm creates Testaments. I, I think that's the broad strokes of everything, but, like... That's fucking just- wild. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole lot yeah. that that manga cut out because uh, clearly there's arcs about the life recycling act being a thing. Right. There's right. arcs about yes. should we UMN dive into a dead guy? How much mm-hmm. like what's over? Probably not. Well, that's well, a thing they do for this investigation. That's how they solve the crime is that they is that, you know, Dave, uh, Dave Voyager <laughs> let his Dave. Dave. <laughs> is that his name? No, no, it's Eric. His name is David. Sorry. Is Eric. it Eric? Yes, Eric. Oh, that's Eric just as bad. Eric Weber. I thought I, I thought it was David Erickson for some reason. No, it's you Eric know your Weber. Space Corporation is bad when Google has better afterlife retention policies than they do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, because yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so when Eric Voyager lets his own body die, that's when the UMN cops are like, "Shit, we should dive in," and shit gets fucked up in there. Yeah. 
like turns out that the in, within the philosophy of Xenosaga, your memories do have some kind of energy after your body dies, but it is extremely uh, warped and dangerous. And then, yeah, also, also with the with the life recycling act shit, you're totally right. I forgot to bring that up. That like, you know, Ziggy's trying to end it all, but if you are a Federation cop, you are required to sign your life over to the life recycling to sign your body over to the life recycling act. It's like in the contract of every Federation cop. Oh no, cops are repressed minorities. Yeah. <laughs> in in Xenosaga, they are. There uh, is also, also in some states. Uh, there's also a character you did not mention. I don't know if they skip over her in the manga, but Melise Ortis. I was trying to get to most of the people who are like already in Xenosaga 3, and I totally forgot about her. You're right. She might be. Okay. Well, she isn't there yet. There is a young cop who is one of the only other survivors of this yes. incident. And she is basically like the good cop who's trying to be in Jan Sauer's image. She's one of the two people who sees the final events that go down between him and Voyager. And her takeaway from this is, I'm getting the fuck out of this. I'm getting the fuck out of the cops. But... The UMN is a blight that must be stopped, and she becomes one of the people who found Scientia. Yes, 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 right. So, like, yeah, not only are we getting extremely crucial character backstory for folks who have been a little bit undeveloped, but also we're getting, like, really crucial world-building backstory as well. It also, like, you know... The designer children are a whole fucked up thing because they were proto-realians that were basically, like, genetically created to be clone soldiers for the Federation to fight the Ormus fleet. So, like, you know, that's fucked. Yeah, they're they're basically the prototype that will lead to um, Cherenkov later. Yes, yes. And, like, it's <laughs> just... The because of Pied Piper, there is also a Xenosaga wiki entry called the Nursing Plant Incident, which is mm. which is the the mass baby death. Uh, Deeply fucked. Yeah, uh, we're, yeah, we're skimming no, over some of the actual cases you work in the game, Pied Piper, but you know that it's basically a bananas philosophy dive. You know, yeah, you know the news article is titled "Officer Involved in Nursing Plant Incident." <laughs> so should, should quick sidebar should we link to where we could where people could find these or should we just say absolutely yes okay. let's link to the actual fan translated script it's very dense but if you really want more of this you should read it it's great context we're not going to do anything to record the full length of it but it's very good Oh no. What? <laughs> it's harder to Google now because BTS has a song called Pied Piper. So if you just Google Pied Piper fan translation without Xenosaga, it's just a bunch of BTS lyrics. <laughs> Welcome to the 21st century, baby. Yep. Back to our actual notes document. Do we want to start the game? <laughs> yeah, let's start the game. Great. Off to a great start. 24 minutes in. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've got saved out a carryover, you can get Xion's vector uniform from Xenosaga episode one. If you want that for some reason. Spoiler, yeah. it, it's ugly as hell, but it has like <laughs> insanely high uh, break resist, at least nice. for this time of the game. It's like 250 or something. It's yeah, like apparently it's made of high. Kevlar. 
and, but mm-hmm. it, but it does suck because you know what? I, I'm just <laughs> gonna know. I'm just gonna come out and say it. But uh, Gianna is hot in this one, and I'm here for it. Hell yes! <laughs> they've they've changed her character model so many times that when they when they do flashbacks later of her with the episode one haircut, it just it looks like a totally no, different person. Well, that's the thing when the... you when you put on the uniform, you get the haircut and the glasses. Like it turns oh, into really? that yes. model. Check this out, oh, though. Shit. During the flashbacks, there are historically time-accurate flashbacks where, depending on when the flashback occurs, she will be in the Vector outfit with or without glasses. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, we we start episode three with a cutscene on the planet Mictum, which I thought may have... I, I went a little bit crazy at first before I like looked it up because I went from the English version for the first two games to the Japanese version for this game. I was like, wait, is this what Milsho was called in <laughs> Japanese? But no. New planet. Different planet. Mm-hmm. New planet called Mictum. This is TC4747, which is something like 18 years before the, uh, 21. the present day. 21 years. Thank you. Kevin Winnicott's mother is Cal Elling, the kid off the planet, which is mostly on fire and full of gnosis. What is that? Extreme. Oh, um, oh, is that Superman? Yeah, okay. that's Superman. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. stick Superman. the baby in a yeah, rocket. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Yeah, so she sticks the baby in a rocket. He jets off Milsha, or Mictum, sorry. What's extremely funny about Xenosaga 3 is that they use film grain and sepia filters to depict like tragic footage from the past as as you know it's obviously shorthand that we all recognize but also video technology would not fucking work like that in xenosaga times mm-hmm. pretty good unless it's like an intentional filter like yeah add to your video put some ken like burns music over it it's fine uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah alan absolutely uses film grain on any messages he sends just to make it seem oh artistic God. yeah <laughs> with enough with enough vignetting your cut can look larger <laughs> oh my god, Alan. Alan is an Instagram simp. Incredible. Oh, oh. Um, no. <laughs> Alan would be a VTuber simp. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the last that Kevin sees of his own mom is her slowly becoming a pillar of salt as his kid Coffin Rocket shoots away from the planet. We then cut back to present day, 4768, 21 years later. Thank you for doing the math for me which is one year after the ending of Xenosaga 2. The next scene that we get is the Testaments all chilling around a coffin. Virgil first speaks up and is like, do we really need this thing? Red is like, yeah, because the anomaly 15 years ago was incomplete. Virgil, who is blue? We know that. Testament. From Xenosaga 1, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Um, he calls Red scary, wondering how long that uh, he's been planning this. And then... Blue sniffs the coffin and declares Ugh. that she smells good because, of course, Virgil still has that, you know. Is this the <laughs> S-Man robot? Uh, what? No. This is, um, no? if you're what? talking about who I think you are, yes. Okay. Because Cosmos is the boob man robot. Yes. Then yes. <laughs> your answer is yes. <laughs> what? Uh, it's true. <laughs> That's what I thought you meant. And That's yes, totally like... <laughs> don't laugh at me. It's true. <laughs> don't boo me. I'm right. That's correct. <laughs> they hated him for he spoke the truth. <laughs> uh, we cut from there suddenly to the skies above a city where an ES is flying by with multiple drones and robots in pursuit. 
And it is revealed to us that it is Shion and Miyuki, who are both clad in new weird jumpsuits, who are piloting the mech. They are saved from pursuit when a massive laser cuts through some of their pursuers, and we hear an Ojo-sama laugh, what which is reveals that? <laughs> <laughs> that that thing you see in anime like that, I... usually with a, like one hand under your chin. Okay, it's it's a thing. Yeah, you saw at least three of them in G Gundam. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, they, they, it was in G Gundam. Definitely. Oh yeah, Master Wong does that. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> and. The person who made that laugh flies in in a second mech, and we are introduced to her, and her name is Doctus, who is love a it. Scantia higher up. I love, I love her Time Splitters 3 goggles. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I had her before, before she revealed herself. I, I, in my notes, I said, who is this titty Morpheus? Because she just, her sunglasses reminded uh-huh. me of Morpheus from The Matrix. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. She is madly distracting because she has Motoko Kusanagi's English voice actress. I did not notice that, oh, but that's great. Shit. <laughs> yeah. That's Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. Well, mm-hmm. she's here, and uh, she is uh, with her boy toy, Kanan, in the uh, co-pilot seat. Or I guess he's piloting, They right? hate each other. Yeah, they, they really don't like each other. It's very <laughs> fun, actually. <laughs> to be great. fair, I don't like her either, because her one character trait is saying dumb Latin, like, platitudes. <laughs> it's... That it's true. No, dumb Latin platitude. <laughs> I just like someone could give shit to Kanan and like actually put him off his game. Yeah. Yeah, but he yeah. sucks. Yes. Well, uh, but that's what makes for, it fun. Yeah, but she might be realian racist also. Oh, yeah, that's true. She is okay. not. <laughs> it's fair. She she does kind of like ride that line between right cuz she doesn't call Kanan by his name, right? Like, right. That was the thing. Yeah. She just calls yeah. him realian and he's like, uh Okay. She specifically hates Kanan. Yeah, You'll see later. She doesn't give shit to fair. Momo. That's, that's fair. Fine. That's like how I call my child baby instead of Audrey, just because it makes her mad. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what she's doing here. <laughs> Negging your child, Chris. Look, you got it. You just implied <laughs> that you don't have a problem with children. You only have a problem with your child. This Look. <laughs> other children don't annoy me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> other children don't live in my house. I haven't been trapped with other children for two years straight in my house. <laughs> fair, fair. Which used to be one bedroom that was 500 square feet. God. Other children mm. don't leave Legos under my recording desk. Motherfucker, mm. let me tell you about it. <laughs> Ouch. I've, I've heard it. Uh, so, Miyuki is still her usual perky self, and when they land at their destination, the first thing she does is praise Kanan on his piloting. And this entire time, just imagine that every time Miyuki speaks, Shion just tells her to just shut it. <laughs> and like, I hope you did your job right. <laughs> to be fair, Miyuki does this to her later. Yeah. Well, so this is the thing, right? This is the thing. Again, just moving from dubs to subs. Miyuki calls Shion senpai, which makes sense because Shion has always been her boss, but also totally changes the dynamic in my head between Miyuki and Shion because Miyuki always seemed to be giving Shion shit. Like, oh, wow, I can't believe you survived that. Anyway, here's the sick new thing that I invented that's going to save your life. And the inclusion of knowing that she calls her senpai totally fucks with that in my brain. Yeah, it definitely has, like... Uh, yeah, like, I could even tell that they were doing that in the English, mm. just the way they interact with each other. The vibe it has in the dub, though, is the relationship that Chris Taylor would have with anyone else. 
Do um, people really try to impress you, though? No, it's like, just really? exchanging negs back and forth constantly. That's right. all it is. It yeah. also, I want to bring up that this is. <laughs> yeah. A- <laughs> I had to think about it. <laughs> Just imagine you making that face from the meme. Yeah. I was I was literally doing a little with my hands, yeah. <laughs> so, they landed at Vector's S-line division. And apparently there's something there that Shion and Skiantia want and spoilers, it's the data. The data. Mhm. I hope you like letter-coded data. You're going to get a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So Doxus takes her mech and flies off because they didn't want to make a uh, battle animation for her or anything. So she's going to go hold off the other pursuers, and the three others are going to go and infiltrate the actual division. <laughs> that and is why it's that, because Miyuki shares all of Shion's. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the funny thing, yeah, I was surprised that Miyuki was playable here, but both her and Kanan are treated as, like, extra characters, so you can't, like, modify their equipment or, like, upgrade I, them or anything. I love that she has the old MWS and Shion has the new one. Like, I guess you could have this back. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of them is a stock vector model, and one is something Shion's been customizing with illegal shit. Right. The Lunar, bl- the lunar Blade animation is so good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and then we have a standard tutorial dungeon. <laughs> okay, so... The, fr- the first thing that happens right as you hit the, okay, you can play this game now, is Shion's like, hey, everybody, why don't we go check out the database? And you are immediately introduced to the fact that the database comes back, and this time it is more useful. So the database in Xenosaga Episode 1 was enormous and extensive and just chock full of a bunch of lore and world building that didn't really make a huge impact on the story. I need to know what Mapesh means. Right, right. Whereas (laughs) the database in Xenosaga episode three uh, is also enormous and extensive, but like actually contains real details that are uh, important to the A plot sometimes. You can read it at your own pace. You don't have to read it. The game will still make, you know, a, a JRPG amount of sense, but it is extremely helpful. One thing that you get right off the bat is that you find out that Doctus is a Kate She. Mm-hmm. She hangs out at Skientia HQ and just projects her consciousness into that android. So she's using a remote control body the whole time. Okay, look. In Dirge of Cerberus, they just say Kate Sith. That took so long to figure out what you were talking about. <laughs> I'm, you know what? I'm sorry for doing that, for for using the correct correct pronunciation like an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no, but that but that makes the the fact that the voice actress is also uh, you Kusanagi. know the major yeah. even even better because she's actually the major. Oh my gosh, yes. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's a fan theory that Melise Ordis is Doctus. There's nothing that says mm. it, but the characters are incredibly similar. They're both Skientia aligned. They both have a theme of justice to them. Is that the lady cop we just talked about? Yes. Yes. Okay. And especially if you are a founder and have been a known thing and might be incredibly advanced in age at this point, yeah, you would probably use robot proxies to do everything, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that that actually, that's awesome. I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Nothing says it, but this is a commonly held theory. 
Look, mm, if yeah. you're older and you can, why not have rockin' titties on your persona? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to be honest. If you gave me the option, you can be Doctus. It's like, mm, yeah, that's a pretty good pick. Yeah, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd do it. So, segment addresses return. You could still explode things. Destroying stuff in the correct order, solve some puzzles in this area. You know, nothing really challenging here. It's You're pretty much tunneled through. I love that she goes, oh, I guess segment addresses are here, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I'm very disappointed we didn't run into anybody from, uh, from the family of weirdos uh, this time to introduce them. Uh, Swain? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there's, no. there's no one left. We already had one yeah. dead brother, and the sister is just chilling. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess she wouldn't be chilling here, so. I want it to be Swain's, like, ancient consciousness. <laughs> 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 there's a side path here that snakes around you can grab a bunch of treasures and then it circles back to where you started which is nice uh but get a few more items but the best thing in the game is down there where you shoot that one server and then four of them explode in a row oh yeah love it yes so satisfying feels good good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but once you go through this uh little loop you end up back at a giant golden zohar shaped door that leads onwards Inside is a puzzle with five glass Zohars around a platform which light up, and you're playing Simon Says with the order it generates. And as the colored panels spin, you blow them up in an order. They are white, yellow, green, red, and a bluish white. Shout out to how you don't have to blow up the last one, because that would just be a chore. Yep. Yep. Past this is Sector 2, where the combat tutorial begins. Uh, Kanan is a sick knife fighter, and Miyuki comes equipped with the older model of Shion's multi-weapon system. Uh... Nothing cool happens with the combat yet, but you can read 500 pages about it. And then we Mm -hmm. go on to Sector 3. Related to this, every time you kill an enemy that you have not encountered before, when you leave the battle, you will get the flashing database updated in the (laughs) corner just to spite you. Oh, no. (laughs) Every time you fight a new one. Mm -hmm. It's going to be obnoxious. Yes. The music in here is so fucking good, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it's like, like some of the best video game jazz since like the Great Gooball Library. That's hmm. exactly where I went to, and it also does the thing that Great Gooball Library does, where it like has like drum and bass breakbeats quietly yeah. underneath the piano jazz. Fucking, and then sick. you can't hear it mm-hmm. while you're running around because the yeah. sound mix is awful. Sound oh, mix is so uh, bad. I was, I was just gonna say broad. like the, the footsteps are Gooball Library. <gasps> just, uh, Final Fantasy no, fourteen. No. Okay, but yeah. The footsteps are so, so loud in this game. Yeah. And the sound effects in battle are so boomy and just reverb drenched. Yeah, there's so much reverb in it, too. That's a, And, like, they definitely made different sounds for different materials that Shion is stepping on. It's <laughs> out, the amount of effort they put into that is absolutely wild to me. <laughs> so, Ryan, you're playing with the undub patch on. That audio yes. issue is still in that version, too? Yes, it is. Okay, I wondered if it was something they did when they were changing tracks and sound around for the U.S. Never mind. Yeah, no, it's extremely boomy. Well, it's one of those things where, like, sound editing is a place where you can probably cut a lot of financial corners that don't negatively affect the final product in, like, play ways or plot ways. But, it, you know, it sucks to listen to. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any, like, internal settings where you can change sound effects versus music or anything, right? No, it's just volume and then stereo or mono, and that's it. It's 
so nice that modern games do that now. It could not have cost that much to run a Sybil and Silter on all these voiceover tracks because it is so loud and so grating <laughs> and so prominent. <laughs> Made the inner podcast editor and me want to fucking kill myself. <laughs> Sector 3 consists of a bunch of hexagons in midair and bizarre patterns. And uh, this is just the Mega Man X7 Cyberfield, which is, it is. Yeah, full Mega stop. Man X7. I want, I want it to be good because it's so weird, but it's bad. Yeah. It's not yeah. the worst X game. Anyone who tells you Mega Man X7 is the worst X game Hasn't is a filthy X6. Because X6, yeah, X6 can soft lock repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. And it's also not fun if you get it, if, if it works for you, too. Yes. Also, this makes Miyuki Axel and Kanan Zero. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, Axel is so bad. Mm-hmm. Axel is, okay, Axel and X8 redeems X7, if you ask me. No, he sucks. No, I love that he spends the entire game going, this is impossible, this is literally impossible, take it from me, one of these robots, this is impossible, and then the final twist is, bitch, the Sigma virus doesn't work on us, and Axel is just glaring in the corner. (laughs) (sighs) Axel is one of the least welcome additions to a franchise that I can think of. Axel's edition gave us the Advent series, though, so that rules. I know, but still. Within one of the destructibles here is update file 01. These are basically the Ensem reports of Xenosaga 3, and finding them will unlock a new chunk of the database that might be as minimal as Shion's notes on Realian models to major plot exposition, which will definitely change how the entire rest of the game reads to you. <laughs> <laughs> Playing this without knowing about the other stuff when this came out or reading the database made the last third of the game complete nonsense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can't wait to find out what the plot is. Sector four is a tutorial on trapping. You can now carry up to 10 traps at a time represented by a counter on screen that never goes away and is very distracting. You press R1 and square to lay a bomb and then press square again to blow it up on command to get bonus boost and a preemptive attack in fights, which the game wants you to do in this like ring layout. But you could be mean, really lazy and just stand there and wait for the next guy to run into you. Mm hmm. Sector 5 is a big server. This is your master-slave drive. Sorry, what we meant is main and child <laughs> drive-mounting tutorial. I and, knew you uh, would trip into that. It's very funny. No, I think it's very funny. It's so Thanks. funny to me that people renamed it to main. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I meanwhile, scrum masters everywhere just sweating furiously, waiting for people to come for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, first this tutorial dungeon really shows off how much better they are at doing like dynamic camera angles. Like the way that the camera follows Xion and like swoops through these tunnels feels very slick and modern. And then also just because I wasn't on the generalities episode, I want to also say that like a lot of the same moving parts of the previous combat system are there. They've just been streamlined in really smart ways. And so, like, while the combat in this tutorial dungeon is boring, just because it's, you know, it's easy, I can see that, like, it's going to be a simplified but still deep and dynamic system that has the shit that I liked about Xenosaga 2's battle system, but, like, removing... 60% of the frustration and half of the like additional meters and bars that you had to keep track of. Well, it's going to be about juggling, except instead of juggling only letting you do more damage, juggling is also damage reduction because you can extend break times with it. Right. 
So, the trio make their way inside, and as Kanan downloads the data, there's a short conversation. Miyuki is getting cold feet at the last minute, we'll find out why later, but she's like, uh, I don't know if this is gonna just give us shotgun evidence that me Vector's committing crimes, and should we really be doing this? But Xion has a theory, the UMN is not something that Vector invented, that it was already here and they just took credit for it. When pressed, Miyuki admits she does not know what division maintains, created, or handles it within Vector. However, and then Kanan and Doctors just go, shut up, nerd, you don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are basically going, Shion, you might be full of shit, but it also kind of is like, you never thought to check that? You never thought to look for the creator? Hmm. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> However, somewhere in the middle of the download, something weird appears. It seems to be monitoring the party in a waveform, but... They're jamming is holding, and Kanan confirms no contact from outside but them. Before they can investigate further, alarms and lights go off, and the server spits out a heartless for our first boss fight. <laughs> This boss, whose name is Sigurdifa, teaches us how the break mechanic's gonna work. It's really hard to lose unless you try to lose because each character only has one skill and they all have very obvious roles here. Uh, Kanan's the tank. He has an ether ability called Heat, which basically forces everybody to attack him for a few turns. Interesting to see the tank role show up in a turn-based game. Mild correction. It only makes the guy you cast it on attack you. Oh, okay. Okay, in this fight, it basically functions yeah. that way, but you're I, correct. I only found this out because I read all of the database entries like an idiot. Right. So you don't want to keep it active at all times, just whenever somebody is at low HP or in danger. Otherwise, Kanan will likely get broken or get breaked. Miyuki's Lightning Blade is low damage, multi-hit, and will ratchet up the boss's break gauge every time. And then, meanwhile, Shion's the only one of the three that has a special attack right now, and so her role is to heal if you need it, because she has Medica, and then once you build up to boost meter, you finish it off when the HP is low with a special attack. You're being handed a boss on a platter that signposts when it's ready to die, and because you get 1.5 XP by finishing an enemy off with a special attack, always, always do that. Or you can just ignore all of the boss fight mechanics and only spam your strongest ether attacks the entire time. Mm. And it's fine. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to do the finishing move for this boss, but like I miscalculated how much damage Xion was going to do with her attack during like break status. So I ended up with like the boss being so little health that I couldn't attack it again without like killing it but mm. i wasn't gaining any boost from taking damage so i was stuck who cares matt you're only you're gonna get more xp than the boss's boost bonus from your next random encounter in the next dungeon don't worry about no, it 
Right, I didn't. I, I killed it and just said, you know, because I was in an impasse. But I didn't realize that I could get it stuck in a boost impasse like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you only get boost from doing damage, not taking damage. Yeah, but I, I thought that in the last game you... you oh, wait, no, it, it was the roulette wheel that lets you uh, take boost yeah. when you um, took yeah. There might also be some skills and accessories that change that later. Right. Yeah, yeah it's explicitly different, and the database tells you that this is explicitly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that, that was kind of obnoxious, because I'm like, I'm not going through all of that again since the last save point. Well... Unfortunately, it seems like the boss wasn't strictly a vector defense so much as the hallmark of bigger problems coming. Gnosis are appearing en masse now, and Doctus has sent her... I guess it's a, it says eggs here. Is it an eggs or is it an ES? She does have an egg. She doesn't have an ES. She doesn't have an ES. Okay. Is it, is it not an AMWS? A- they do say eggs out loud. Okay. 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 Yeah, so Doctus has sent her eggs to provide cover fire. She uncalls in her ES to materialize, and they jump in so abruptly that Miyuki ends up, like, face down, ass up in the seat. (laughs) (laughs) Which is unfortunate. Like, she's basically the comic relief, like, slapstick character in this Mm -hmm. game so far, which I... It's kind of... It's probably the most annoying thing in the game to me at the moment, but whatever. Yeah. The paramechs begin speeding out of the complex with Gnosis in pursuit before there is a flash of the little fey-looking wiener kid from Xenosaga 1. Nephilim. And she... That's not <laughs> Nephilim. No, 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 the no. Boy. It's a, it's a boy. Oh, oh right, right. A, sorry, 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 sorry. Does he have yes. a ponytail here? Yeah, he has a yes. ponytail. Yes, yeah. sorry. I forgot that there is also the fey boy in this one and not just the Ellie girl. He flashes, she talks. <laughs> right. You can't call people fey boys. That's rude as fuck. <laughs> I think I'm allowed to call uh, anyone I like a fey boy. Thank you. I don't have to like it when you... <laughs> That's fair. Anyway, she is about to fire when Nephilim shows up and tells her not to. And at this point, she screams, Miyuki, disconnect now. And everybody dematricizes out in a blip of static. On a longer-than-expected load time later, we see a pod open in first person, and the camera moves back to allow Xion to leap out ass first in front of the view. And How long are these load times? Uh, this one is long enough that I noticed the screen staying black. Hmm. The rest of them have been pretty okay. I was like, yeah. this is like two seconds because I have like an SSD in the PlayStation 2, but... This one is loading a whole new area along with cutscenes, and I think that's why it's a little laggy. And they're fucking graphics card demo-ass dolphins. <laughs> yeah. Those dolphins are sick. I just, I went out and looked uh, at the dolphins for a while. We'll get to that later. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And did, should, should we mention that she's in a bikini? Oh, no. There's, it's, there it's there are extensive below. notes about it. <laughs> okay. Because, like, when you say ass first, like, you notice the ass is bikini-clad. And I have to read this as though I was ev- as though I've ever been horny in my life. <laughs> I didn't put I didn't put the notes <laughs> on doing some the, of them with highlighting. I'm doing the doubt emoji right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I have a kid doesn't mean I liked it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we already knew that about you. Well, that's dark dark as fuck. Uh, So Shion does just making the Lovecraft face the whole time. (laughs) So Shion does some stretches after getting out of the pod since the last encounter. Oh, no, I'm not going to say that. 
<laughs> the last encounter involved everyone using gynoid proxies. So I made the deep, dark mistake of mentioning out loud in a place where Sybil was that I hated when she used the word gynoid one time in the Xenosaga uh, uh, 1 episode. <laughs> and she goes, oh, you shouldn't have told me that. Now let that me, word's going to be all over episode. Let me try to notes. channel my Jeff Gersman. Gynoids. <laughs> nice. I mean, uh, I, again, I know the word is technically like a scientifically accurate word, but it just it grosses me out so much. Here, here's one for the perverts at home. Gynoids. <laughs> oh boy. At this rate, we should start like a <laughs> pitch drop only fans if we're gonna keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Patreon does does let you do some not safe for work content. Yeah, we make a po- G Gundam podcast. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's clear is that you don't need clothes to post on the internet. Everyone knows this because <laughs> Shion is in nothing but a bikini, while Miyuki, who calls her seconds later, is dressed like an actual professional because she was on her lunch break or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm making these snide comments in the notes like I don't wear exactly what Shion has on her less for half the work I do for the network. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that like the fan service is so much more front loaded and just out there for you in this game. All that Latin really doing it for you, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> it just like listen, I know that like the other two Xenosagas were poisoned by anime horny, but like this is just first we have like the slow pan up Doctus Titty Morpheus. Then we have, you know, Miyuki face down ass up. And then immediately we have Shion going diving on a super secret mission, just chilling in a bikini. Mm-hmm. Really after discovering the horny big titty GF Goth Garfield trend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can see that. Just like an hour later. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm honestly curious, and I oh, don't. Oh, oh, know. real talk though. For finally, a good-looking swimsuit, a yeah. swimsuit that yeah, a no, person it, would actually wear because it doesn't look like dog yeah. shit. Yeah, that's yeah, a solid outfit. Um, I kind of wonder if some of this isn't because we have Takahashi doing the notes for everything. And Sokka's not doing any kind of there's a woman in the room pushback. Mm. Entirely speculation. possible. Entirely Don't know if it's possible. accurate. Okay, whatever. Yeah. The game she was in was also uh, was in charge of was also very horny. Oh, yes. But it wasn't leaping ass first in a bikini horny. Yeah, right. Exactly. It? And it also and it also wasn't. Uh, to to jump exactly one line forward, it also wasn't Miyuki going <gasps> sexy when looking <laughs> at Shion. Yeah, uh, yeah. Miyuki said, "Girl slay." I did. I did laugh at the response, though. <laughs> you sound like a you perverted, sound like a old, perverted man. old man. Yeah, that yep. did that did make me laugh. Oh yeah, it's a great response because it's like Miyuki. What the fuck? Get owned fans of Xenosaga. <laughs> <laughs> but still buy the statuette, please. Yeah. Look, that statuette is nice. The Xenosaga 2 one looks great. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I haven't been eyeballing some Xeno merch. The Xenosaga 2 uh, one isn't horny and is just sick, but is also 300 some dollars. 
Yeah. If they do oh, a boy. reprint rather than me having to go to scalpers for like a series anniversary, I'll probably blow up a couple bucks on that. The the Gundam meme, but it says uh, wow, hot robot. And then the uh, bullet going over their head says fear of death is bad. the mission was a success the data has been found and all of this despite the fact that Miyuki half-assed her part and Shion yells at her again as everyone else hangs up Miyuki asks after Shion's well-being and why she's so staunch on this in the end it comes back to not her father and not concern for the galaxy but my uh, thirst for a robot (laughs) for what it's worth I just realized I forgot to mention in these notes Part of the reason that Miyuki might have been half-assing it, and one thing that makes everyone giving her such extreme shit wild, is that Miyuki is the only way they got in because she is now at Shion's ex-job, ahead uh-huh. of a division, and still a Vector employee. She was their mm. Vector to get in. Mm, 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 She's double damn. agenting. Yeah, she's still dressed in her work yeah. uniform, presumably at work. Yes, yeah, it's the middle of the day. For once, someone wasn't allowed in the server room, and not because the server admin was jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, they're they're giving her all that crap, and it's like, hey, guess what? Guess who got you in? Guess who mm-hmm. didn't quit her job that had all of this access like an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> and then Miyuki says, wow, you quit a long time ago. I thought you'd be over her by now. And yeah. like, wow. <laughs> so Because Moosey too talking- good, you'll never forget it. Yeah. When I was talking at the start of everything about, <clears throat> wow, Shion's really horny for the robot, it's because I just finished a replay of this game. Mm, mm. Uh-huh. Shion was mildly horny for the robot, and now she's very horny for the robot. The subtext is text now. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you can miss someone who you're not horny for. That's you not can, true. You can, pl- you can platonically you miss, miss someone. I platonically miss people all the time. I have plenty of sex. Every... Every single person in this is talking about Shion and Cosmos like their exes who had a weird breakup, though. Yeah, I know, but they didn't. I just, I don't, I still don't see it. I still don't see yeah. it. I'm sorry. You know, you know R- Ryan, I'm with you. I'm the Yuri Sicko on this podcast, and I'm like, I don't see it either. <laughs> this, this is just the pro CD video about shipping. Okay. I mean, All yes. Right. That's very much Oh, the, they fucking. Oh, they fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I will confess to being the biggest pervert on this network any time, but I think you'll come around on my position. All right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Come around on it. Got it. Oh, I was doing the eyebrow wiggle. (laughs) (laughs) But finally, Shion is left alone and she has some sort of flash of red and a headache. And then she's like, oh, that's weird. That's been happening a lot. No problem. Don't worry about it. Shion's been operating off of Pedea Island on Second Milsha, a remote tropical locale that has bitchin' Wi-Fi. If you head onto the beach and blow up the totally not a Moe statue in the water, you can get decoder number eight for the door that was in the tutorial dungeon. Unfortunately... What up with all these cock and ball rocks, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I I went with Moe statue, but that works too. Look, there's just, there's just like... Subliminal look, sex stuff all over this game. I mean, like, look, how many nuts did you bust on this beach, Chris? <laughs> like 50. Yeah, exactly. I'm so thirsty now. Um, <laughs> look, all I'm saying is if you turn those rocks sideways, Photoshop them onto a shower wall, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> 
You know what? Duly noted. Sure. Do I have to do this now from the cover art? <laughs> yes, you do, and that's why I said it. Hey, fuck. Hey, noted. Uh, Decoder 8 we have. We can't get back to the tutorial dungeon yet. No UMN access. Right. Also, I don't have it because I didn't run around that much. Mm. Uh, eventually, you will find your way to a little bungalow she's been living out of where she has an email message waiting from Alan. <laughs> it turns out at the end of the month, the Cosmos project at Vector's First Division is being scrapped in favor of a new model as part of the Zohar project. But the military is being given custody of it, and Alan is being sent over with her as one of the techs. Should have joined a union, dick. <laughs> you know Vector is anti-union. Oh You've my god, met yeah. The CEO of Vector. Guaranteed. Oh, I knew that because they're a company. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> My dude literally has a union-busting team of super soldiers that report directly to him. Yep. Uh, he's offering an invite to Xion to see the gynoid before everything is out of her reach forever, and all Xion can say when the recording ends is, well, someone learned how to talk smoothly. Yeah. What an asshole. Uh. We then get a series of flashbacks. The first is Xion quitting Vector and Alan pleading with her to stay because it's like, Chief, no, you they're just they're just putting Cosmos away for a couple minutes after the thing that happened between games. You can still stay. No, this is my fault. I have to atone by leaving behind all of my responsibilities and going off and do to Chief, come Sounds on. Sounds good. Uh, the next one is Kevin explaining Cosmos is going to have breasts because the female form has granted people hope and healed their hearts. He what? goes the <laughs> yeah yeah. Ke Kevin's got real man hater vibes. Don't worry about it. Oh, he goes the full the A stands for ally here as he explains uh -huh. men are only around for violence or destruction, so it's important to choose a female form when it's going to be a creator or protector. These are direct yeah. quotes. Yeah, yeah. All <laughs> so, right, so. <laughs> First of all, first of all, fucking, this is after, like, he's like, yeah, uh, women have historically been, you know, healers and helpers and symbols of hope. And So Xion here's goes, my military robot. Yeah, Shion goes, well, you know, men have been healers too. And Kevin goes, yeah, but like, men write the history books, so who cares about those? Oh my god. <laughs> and then, you're, you, you're listening to All Things Considered. Yeah. Fucking okay, sure. A motherly, hopeful figure. You gave her a garter belt. You gave a robot a fucking garter belt, my guy. Like, you didn't have to make her hot just because you wanted <laughs> to, like, you know, be, you know, just like I stand with women about this shit. Gross. <laughs> yeah, like that that is definitely the question that <laughs> she I should have asked you. Like, did you have to make her hot? Why are you so sex negative? <laughs> Come on. I will. All I'm going to say is this. Keep this conversation in mind. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, really, I, I really hope there isn't, like, some weird womb stuff. Is there weird womb stuff with the robot? Uh, no. Okay, good. At least there's that. Yeah, no. no nothing about Cosmos's fertility will ever come up. <sighs> good. Good. Uh, straight up. Uh, something, something, the womb is empty. <laughs> My sick little Jesus joke, don't worry about it. Rub it in every time. Shion snaps back to herself and decides she can't leave things unfinished. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I've been saving that one. 
She unsteps back <laughs> to meet up himself. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing too hard. One second. She unsnaps back to herself and decides she can't leave things unfinished like a robot without a womb. She's going to go take the invite and visit Fifth Jerusalem. Um, Now I can't cut the womb stuff. Uh Please don't call the episode Can't Cut the Womb Stuff. So, no worries there. A womb among us. This robot's parts are sus. <laughs> so, like, Kevin has a very strong drive to know the truth about the Gnosis is the other thing. So he's like, yeah, it, she's going to kill the Gnosis, but she's also going to study the Gnosis by killing them. Doesn't make a lot of sense, Kevin. That's fine. Secondly, I wanted That's to point out... the Romans learned about the Celts? <laughs> Wrong historical precedent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so I just want so when when Shion wakes up, she's like, "So they're canceling the project." Kevin would be so sad. Everything is unfinished. I'm not sure even Cosmos will be satisfied. And and I was just thinking about how maybe this is a fourth wall break, talking about Bandai Namco canceling the series and how everyone's sad because things are so rushed and unfinished. And then Shion being like, "No, I have to finish it." It was like Takahashi being like, "No, let's fucking do this. Let's finish this story." All right, that's not bad. And then you fight all the clearly what would have been the last boss of a game each time. <laughs> yes. Speaking of the, the Gnosis uh, killing thing, like I just had flashbacks to XCOM autopsies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, remember when Cosmos really studied Kevin with about 80 bullets? <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> and her fist. <laughs> oh my God. Just Baldur's Gate 2. Let's see what your guts be looking like. <laughs> <laughs> God, Corgan fucking rules. Yeah. That, that series had a lot of good characters. Villains especially. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, the yeah. evil party is so fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess the evil party and Jahira, who you tolerate. I'm just I'm just never playing a Baldur's Gate again. I can't go back to AD&D rules. They're weird to go back to, for sure. Yeah. I will probably play three because it's probably going to be Larianified enough to uh, not. Uh, it is. Take yeah. it. Take it from the copy my dead father had. Oh shit! Yeah. Meanwhile, sorry. Very That's hard fine. to say no, away from my dead dad. Real uh, Miyuki energy. Meanwhile, <laughs> God. Shion, not everything's about your dad. Sometimes it's about your ex. What is that exact <laughs> quote? Have we gotten to it yet? Because I want to read it. Uh, which bit? I don't know. I posted it earlier. Okay. Oh, here we go. Yeah, where Shion goes, it takes a lot of courage to renounce everything you've worked for. And then Miyuki just goes, anyway, if there's any developments, I'll let you know. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My oh, coffee so break's good. almost over. Uh-huh. So back in back in Wilhelm's whack-ass crystal prison, he's being all like uh, Dick Cheney about everything, you know, like manipulating these chess pieces like he's above it all. Red Testament informs Wilhelm that the S-line data has been breached. Wilhelm just goes like, oh yeah, it's Shion. She's uh, pretty good at being a terrorist, just like anything else she sets her mind to, which just... Yeah. Salute! Shion, Shion is having a lot of girl boss energy so far. We stand a girl boss drone pilot. <laughs> <laughs> then he's like, they think that their cage is the entire world, or that they can change anything with so little power, so let them, you know, play this little game. So yeah, Wilhelm, still a CEO. So, 
then he's like, uh, he starts asking Red how everything went at Rennes le Chateau. Oh no, not the French. <laughs> yeah. This is real French instead of made up French, though. I've got um, terrible news for you, Chris. Uh, two episodes from now is all French all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some kind of sign is being left for Ormus involving a Zohar project test. He says they see it, they need to see it with their own eyes because that is the source of their hope. And then tells Red, you need to tend to her. Contact with Cosmos has taken a lot out of her. Make sure you succeed. And then the absolutely creepiest Wilhelm line, which is, she emits good wavelength, just like you said, which I guess maybe in Xenosaga world means she gives good head. Like, yeah, <laughs> that shit you know, emits good wavelengths. If you know the context for all of this, that's even wilder because, you oh, know, shit. I get In Xenosaga, you could literally get your soul sucked out. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, we cut to a different scene where Helmer and Yuli Mizrahi are chatting via Zoom. And he has the worst new accent. Oh. Uh. Yeah, Helmer gets a downgrade in this game. Oh, buddy. Why does mm. he... Uh. Praise the undub. I don't notice. Even <laughs> coming to him after the very bad Xenosaga, the animation design, they've yeah. just made him look like a rock. <laughs> oh no, what was that like? Oh, hold on. I'll pull it up for Elmer, you. Xenosaga <laughs> anime. Is uh, like a yeah, Mr. Yeah, Popo? Yeah. He's, he's very he's very oh, broad. Look, th- this is way more tasteful than most black people in anime. It it's true. Uh it looks terrible from the front on cuz like yeah. here I'm just going to copy the yeah, one. Yeah, he looks like Black Professor X. This is the one where it's like, you should not look at that design face off. Ah! <laughs> see? See? Yeah. I was looking at this one. Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, see, that looks normal. <laughs> yeah. It's like they squished him. <laughs> no one knew, no one on the project knew how to draw anybody head on. It's so My man funny. looks like a I, Maui statue. Yeah. I, I like Caden's face in this picture, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a good expression. Caden looks like a teenage me in that photo. Oh, damn. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, um, the the animation is real bad, but when it gets bottom tier, uh, it makes for some monsters. Mm-hmm. So it seems that the Mictum system has fallen under Ormus control, but good news. The Zohar project is designed for defense and preventing this kind of thing in the future. The key component of that is the tactical warship Merkaba which is already finished. And that leads us to a bit of a wild revelation because if you remember, the proto-Merkaba from previous games, from, from the first game, is now the full Merkaba. Like, it, it's gone full Merkaba. And both are some kind of ancient artifact that has been weaponized by the research of the now-known-to-be-alive Dmitry Yuryev. Is that wide or just within the contact subcommittee and the homies? Uh, at the very least, he's on the galactic stage enough that they're talking about him as being like, oh, I guess he didn't die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it might just be the homies that know about it. I'm Everyone's very chill about him being around. The, everyone that talks to him. Well, that's because I don't think anybody still knows that that's um, Negredo, though. They don't yet, but right. they do know that this guy who was supposed to have been dead for a while is just suddenly showing up and going, yo, I'm an arms dealer now. Yeah. Relic arms dealing. 
what's what like i still i feel like i have a general grasp on a lot of the more convoluted elements of xenosaga up to this point but one thing that i cannot wrap my brain around still are the connections between the powerful shadowy organizations between yuriev and mizrahi and old utik and new utik and ormus like and then and then wilhelm on top of all of that is it it's new utik a substructure of old utik but they don't know it okay here is let's let's do this where we give me the web right now. hit me up with that yeah. web homie right yeah. now Yuriev is his own person playing things for his own gain. The Institute's always been its own weird standalone, which is why he had the monopoly on URTVs. Now he's showed up and is like, guess what? I can turn lost pieces of media into some kind of horrible abomination against God. And everyone's like, we could use those. You mm-hmm. tick basically no longer exists because everyone knows that Ormus is the master organization that they're fighting. And so that's what's being discussed this time out. Similarly, the immigrant fleet are basically just cannon fodder that Ormus can use as pawns. They're very limited in scale and kind of don't exist anymore, but you know, we'll hear a mention or two. And those are the real, those are like the true believers, right? Yeah. Ormus are the cultists with the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are currently led since Sergius is dead by the newly poked Heinlein. His name is Heinlein. I can't believe that shit. Meanwhile, Wilhelm is both on government and leads Vector as CEO, has a little bit of ties to other things, but we can't go there yet. And Vector is basically the only company. Vector that's and... What, that's what yeah, the database there implies. Was, there was like competition in one, I remember. But the database now implies that it's just Vector. There was a second organization that was basically a rival to Vector, which was also a f- corporate front for UTIC. Again, mm-hmm. just subsumed into the Ormus. Oh, yeah, the whatchamacallit group. I can't remember now. Exactly. Yeah, they showed up like twice. Yeah. yeah. And then Yuli and the second Milchian government are kind of independent from the standard federation well, in that they're just doing their own shit under y- the radar. Yuli's on an independent committee within the federation, right? They just wind up being the yeah, most important she's... one because the Gnosis continue to become more and more important. And she's the one who's willing to go, we'll work with terrorists, we'll work with arms dealers, we'll do whatever we need. Anyhow. I almost said terrorism gets the goods. I literally just <laughs> I did. I mean, that's, that's basically what, what Yuli Mizrahi's about to say. Look, terrorism is a form of direct action. You're damn right. Remember, don't say anything about your crimes on the internet. We don't want to hear about your crimes on the internet. We want to hear about your crimes in the news where people don't know what they're looking for. That's right. <laughs> DM me your crimes. <laughs> do not DM Chris your crimes. I want to know about crimes. No. no. <laughs> I won't tell anybody. It's fine. I, 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 don't, I don't want to be an accessory to any of this. <laughs> DM at your crimes also. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> Uh, so when the conversation ends the zoom call is over Caden comes in and we get more exposition the Rennes-le-Chateau Wilhelm mentioned is allegedly a remaining piece of the destroyed lost Jerusalem which just suddenly appeared recently in space visible to all parties and it's just like it's just a chunk of earth just floating around (laughs) it's real silly 
to where the U.S. Embassy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically yeah, it's basically uh, <laughs> straight <up>. Neo Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, so you don't want to see what their Gundam looks like. No, no. <laughs> It'll probably just look like David with a slingshot, right? You think? You think? Oh no, they definitely gave it robot curls. Yeah, it, yeah, they would yep. give it payos, wouldn't they? Yep. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. you're thinking about it now. It's Tequila Gundam with a different hat, and it's got the uh, tassel <laughs> instead of a poncho. <laughs> it's just like the robot mecha version of uh, the Hebrew Hammer. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what why? I was thinking. Dobin Do- Do- says, why would you do this to me? He goes, I don't know. Why would I do this to you? <laughs> <laughs> How did you circumcise a Gundam? I don't know, but they did it. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. But yeah, uh, Orbis is uh, sniffing around, just feeling out what's going on with that. And Kaden, being the law-aligned fuckboy that he is, expresses issues about the fact that Xi'an is working with terrorists. I, I, I say working with terrorists. She is a terrorist. <laughs> yeah. She's not working with them. She's a part of the group. And uh, Yuli just goes, yeah, but they're the best damn terrorists around. And he grumbles his way out of the scene. <laughs> also, we didn't mention, but they have... Been looking over the S data that was stolen from yes. Vector. It's fucking stupid. So Yuli, it's nice to see Yuli fully in mom mode. It's like that little miniature arc, even though it had a weird, like sudden turn, it worked for me mostly in episode two. So it was nice for her to be like, oh yeah, no, I mean, I'd like do more shit, but I'm really concerned about Momo. Like she's she's my daughter. All right, hell yeah, personhood for Momo. The other thing. I want to mention real briefly is that one of the cost-saving maneuvers is that, you know, there are still a lot of dynamic, fully animated, fun camera work cutscenes in this game, but there are fewer of them, and there are a lot more cutscenes that have more static shots with than just voiced, but then text boxes with, with character portraits. And yeah, but they have a lot of different ones, and that's a lot of different character portraits, which makes it fine to me. Well, honestly, I was going to say I prefer it. Like, it makes the pacing... I know you do, you Final Fantasy fourteen sicko. Yeah, it makes the pacing <laughs> faster, and it makes the badass cutscenes that happen uh, more impactful to me. So it's like it's a, I can tell that it's a cost-cutting maneuver, but honestly, the full cutscenes that a lot of these would have replaced, I think, would have been boring as full cutscenes. You know, yeah, it's just the full ver- uh, visual novel treatment. What's weird about yeah. the cost-cutting stuff in three is that they do it correctly. It's like the Ava <laughs> style of cut cost with and save it for when it matters. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because like so much of the rest of the game looks fantastic. Yeah, when it pops off, it goes fucking wild. Yeah, the biggest version of this is the forty-five minute final cutscene. <laughs> oh, Let's shit. go. Let's go. Entire episode, <laughs> only the ending cutscene. <laughs> yep. I basically stop us there for the final recording. We stop at literally the final save point in the game. Amazing. Okay. Anyway. We cut somewhere else, and the Durandal is just driving into frame in space. And we're on another conference call. This time it's Guinan and Junior, and somehow someone invited Mary and Shelley on the call. Well, they're literally <laughs> the only people on the Durandal. That's, wow, wow, erasing the personhood of all those other robots. Do any of them have a name? If they don't have a name, they don't get to be Their people. name is Robot. <laughs> 
Oh, they're also they're they're all not robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Kirsch, 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 Oops, and Kirsch. <laughs> Junior dropped a hammer on Oops. Fuck. <laughs> Yuli has commissioned the Kukai Foundation to investigate Redlu Chateau, and Junior is going, yeah, no, that's fine. We could do something to uh, make us relevant to the game all of a sudden. The Elsa and the ESs have been dispatched to head out there because the smaller craft can approach the landmass with more subtlety. The goal is to beat Ormus there and find what they're looking for first. And then we cut to uh, Margulis and Pellegree. They're hanging out on Mictum, uh, which is uh, definitely in ruins. Neither are worried about the Federation mm-hmm. sending in fleets to stop Ormus because the Federation has nothing that will stand up to ESs. Lol, JK, we got three... Apparently, Richard and Herman alone are going to hold off an army, and I love them. I want more screen time for Richard mm-hmm. and Herman, yes. even though they're definitely jobbers. <laughs> the pair of them are on victim because the uh, newly poped Heinlein has ordered it so, and, quote, he said it would rise again. The instant they took the place, Renlu Chateau has opened up, and that's a good sign, right? And also, the Sate sleeps in the tomb on Renlu Chateau. So that'll be there soon, too, because birthright. And Margulis sounds way more zealous than usual in this speech. Gotta tell you, because I've been playing SMT5, the saint references all over this were tripping me up, and I had to check my notes. <laughs> A grunt comes up. It's so funny. He's just His name is Uchik Grunt, I believe. It comes yeah. up yes. and forms the yeah. duo. The Elsa has been seen approaching the space island, so Margulis prepares his ship to travel in his sick robot. Wow, cool robot. Yeah. God, I I really like the characterization of Margulis and Pellegree here. I know that the immigrant fleet and Ormus and Utik have all been the enemy for a lot of episodes one They're and cool. two. But like they're cool. Yeah. And I really like this, like, you know, Margulis is a man of true faith, even as Heinlein is, like, you know, clearly manipulating him in some way. And also, one of my favorite things about Babylon 5 is how, how by the time you get to the end of season four, so much has been revealed about the universe that the, like, the big bad of season one, the, like, you know, driving threat of season one feels like piss baby shit. It's just, it, it's an expansion of scope that I really like. And Margulis was the main threat of episode one, and now the fact that he and Pellegree are like side characters in a larger tapestry also feels really good for the scale of this game. I love Margulis and Pellegree's arc in this game. That's all I'll say. I love them the whole time. They have been great the entire time. Oh my god, I can't wait for Mm -hmm. Margulis to do some sick shit in ten minutes from now. (laughs) Oh yeah, let's go! (laughs) Uh Uh Uh-huh.
to the Elsa, and hey, at this point, it's been nearly a half hour since we controlled a character. That's fine. Three S's are outside... Uh, three ESs are outside the ship as escort, piloted by Junior, a Jin Chaos duo, and Ziggy and Momo. The island is incredibly weird. Abnormal gravity, clearly removed from wherever it came from very precisely since the underside is a uniform dome, not just a land mass from exploded planet. Yeah, it's not ejecta, like laser cut out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before anyone can investigate, Ormus mechs swoop in and begin dogfighting. Junior orders the Elsa to head to the landmass, but they argue before Junior goes, all right, fine, fuck you, I'll do everything. Now do what I'm paying you to do, and, like, escorts them in safely. And this is where our ES tutorial begins. So, in this game, ESs have a mechanic very much like the fuel system from Xenogears. Every attack draws from this pool. You recharge X amount per turn based on gear. Can't always be firing off your most potent attacks or comboing with, like, seven of them in a row. There's also a gauge per mech, the Anima Gauge. This powers up when you land attacks, and it can be consumed for different strength Anima attacks based on the ES. These are what give you finishing blow bonuses in an ES. I love that there's uh, several tutorial boxes about how it also lowers the cost of your other moves, and then you do it, and you still don't have the energy to cast two moves in a turn. Yeah. Fuck you, game. (laughs) Yeah, the, the ES system... It's just the character system is the problem, right? Uh, no, the character system I actually like more. I think the ES system is incredibly underbaked in this game because they tried to throw in what was going to be three games worth of escalation and development into one. Yeah, it stands for the extra simple system. Don't worry about it. You're not wrong. But it after looks this... Sick, though. It does look sick as fuck. It, it, it looks so fucking cool. We haven't described, uh, like, the you get the, the laser setting. sword? Let's go. Yeah, because, yeah, like, you're in space, and, like, the enemies and the characters, they're all, like, mapped out in 3D, like, you know, they're not, like, at a single plane, like, with the character battle or anything, or like we did with the other mech fights. Like, it looks rad as hell. Oh, my God. I just had a thought that's going to disappoint me for years now. Bandai Namco owns this series. Why the fuck haven't we had some of the ESs or Xenomechs in Super Robot Wars yet? Oh, no. But you will get plastic robots you can buy of them later. This would be a fun cast to throw in there. Mm -hmm. Just imagine Char facing off against Redacted. Fuckboys in red. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... After the fight, Margulis appears, and we get an ES boss tutorial. We are nowhere near the point in the game where this combat is interesting. The framing of the cutscene is just Margulis is like, I'm going to fight you, Jin. And then you roll up with your other homies and just, like, stomp him to death on the ground. It's very funny. <laughs> For what it's and then worth- the cutscene after frames it like a duel also. Very good. Yeah. yeah. I love Margulis showing up because... The ESs have just been destroying these piss baby Ormus robots. And then all of a sudden, like the start of 0079, Charzaku comes in and is just immediately way on par with these things that were supposed to be raw power. It's like, who the fuck is piloting that? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what this fight is like? Is it's like that JoJo's thing where they're all just kicking that guy in the ground? That's what the boss fight feels like. <laughs> <laughs> 
pretty good. I mean, the thing is, like, Margulis does not even do enough damage to actually be a threat, because if you just, like, your self-recover on guard will outpace his damage no matter what. Imagine guarding in this boss fight. I, yeah. I did because I was trying to build I was trying to build up anima so I could do a finishing move on him. <laughs> I got caught in the trap again. Don't get caught. Yeah. Don't get caught in the trap, Matt. You could just grind in the last dungeon if you're underleveled. Forget about it for the whole game until it matters at the end. Look, uh, I got it to go this time. It worked fine. Here's the thing. Aim for it on bosses if you can. Otherwise, like uh like Chris is saying, two or three special attacks during a dungeon will catch you up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Like that multiplier's nice. Bosses are not the be-all, end-all, just right. because there's a lot less combat in this game than you'd think. And most of the combat is bosses. Yeah. Like, I literally use at least one finishing move kill every single fight. Good. Yeah. What? That's like, so, so much effort. It's not that bad. No, it because, really isn't. Like, it's basically just no. making sure you're not wasting boost by keeping a full gauge. I guess in the tutorial, I only got one like once every two or three battles I would get enough boost because I'm just out here because fade points are so close. I'm just spamming my ether attacks continually because why would I not maximize DPS? I mean, I just keep using attacks and then the way it's been pacing out, I hit two boost when one of them is weak enough to die to a special attack. So I just finish at least one enemy off every fight with a special attack. For some Mm, reason, this version of you get more numbers if you win a battle a certain way does not make me care about it at all. Yeah. All right. I don't know why. Especially this early when you only have a boost cap of three, it's a very, I don't see why you would not just because you're wasting energy if you don't. It does seem like reading the database that the back attack thing is a trap because it doesn't say you will get one to three boost. It says you will be set to one to three boost. And when you can later have like up to nine, that seems like a trap. No, it's not a trap. It's just giving you one. That's okay. weird. The database says get and I'm like, you get set to and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, no, it just bumps you up. Okay. But yeah, this boss fight, as we mentioned, eh, there's nothing worth talking about here. You really can't lose this. You have a Jin's robot that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The robots are all great. It's cool to just finally get actual ES designs and our cast in their final mecha. The Asher looks so bad from one of the angles. It looks so goofy. It does not look cool when it's not walking. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Very briefly, I just want to, you know, uh, Ryan's shitty Mac laptop report. I think there might be fewer polygons on the ESs this go around because I can actually run the ES shit at full speed this time. Maybe I fucked with my settings enough. Maybe Xenosaga 3 is less problematic than Xenosaga 2 in that regard. But it feels nice, even though the ES battle system is a little bit limited. It feels nice to actually play it at full speed. Imagine emulating a game. That's illegal. Couldn't be me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, all my homies hate copyright. Also, yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing about that is I definitely just downloaded an ISO that I'm playing on my PS2. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, uh, of course. So, unfortunately, in the aftermath, something goes very awry. An energy dome of some sort begins to appear around Renly Chateau, putting the conflict on hold. Margulis tries to keep Jin from escaping their duel, but the Elsa flies in and rams the Black ES. Hell yeah. In a fucking sick as shit move, Margulis 
throws a robot scale sword through the Elsa's engine, yeah. causing it to begin falling mm-hmm. towards the gravity well of the planet, which, you know, again, even though it's only a little chunk, it has one G, has an Earth's worth of gravity. So it's at this point, the sphere starts to go up around the planetoid, and just as Margulis gets furious about outsiders in the Holy Land, Heinlein calls him up, and he goes, there's nothing for them to find there. We've already retrieved the saint. And Margulis seems totally offended that he wasn't the agent that was trusted to handle the retrieval or that he was kept in the dark. And uh, also he... that they took his saint away from the Holy Land. He is like religiously yeah, no. offended, not just I feel unimportant offended. Like this well, is no, an affront he, to his faith also. His mission was to go there and get the saint. Right. But finding mm-hmm. out someone else did it is what pisses him. It's like, why did I not get told about this? I'm a Supreme Commander. And what the fuck is going on that you have people more trusted than me to do this? As he makes to leave, he issues an ultimatum to Jen. He says, find a way to save your friends, Uzuki. That is, if there is a way to save their unfortunate souls, which kind of baffles Jin. He uh, makes a and great then, face. Yeah, he does. And then the Elsa crashes, and the Professor and Scott are also on the Elsa as, as crew members now. Love it. Love it. I'm glad yeah. that the professor is canonized, and I love that mm-hmm. Scott and Hammer are the same guy. That's the yeah. best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both of them doing a prayer in unison. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I love that. That's uh, so good. It is so good to me that the professor is officially real. Also, shout out to Jim's dumb kimono. He's wearing a kimono yeah. in the robot. And his robot is wearing one also. <laughs> yep. Finally, <laughs> to the end. On- On board the Durandal, they can't sense the Elsa anymore, and the decision is made to bring the battleship there. Uh, It's not doing anything else. Junior is frustrated because he is kind of left helpless until the Durandal can arrive, but that is where we're going to stop for the week. Do we have any closing thoughts on this episode? Mine are, where the fuck is Momo? Momo needs some voice Mm. lines. Let's go. (laughs) She's, She's in the robot. I know, but Momo doesn't really talk. Momo is just referred mm-hmm. to as a human radar scanner, which sucks. But then we get a we get a Momo save screen, so hopefully that means that she's going to pop up here soon. Right. That's what made me think about it. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, I believe we get no Momo next episode. No. It's more like yeah. Momo. <laughs> I mean, Momo is there, but she doesn't do anything. Unless Word. she's in your battle party. She's not going to be in my battle party because she's less good than Shion, Jin, and Cosmos. Uh... You didn't break this game right. Less cool. I look. I look. Last time I played this game was forever ago. I'm gonna find out what is the most disgustingly optimal thing to do, and then do it. All right. It feels good to be back in good Xenosaga because the beginning of the Xenosaga two season, I thought maybe maybe it was going to be the redemption arc. Uh, it wasn't. I know. I've said that like four times before. Whatever. It was but so it upsetting. Just, Betrayed. It was so, uh, yeah, absolutely betrayed. But then <laughs> top ten so, the JRPG betrayals. Yes, <laughs> exact top ten JRPG betrayals. Yes, and the other nine are all in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> um, truly, truly, the dark Mickey of real life is, is Xenosaga Two. Are there betrayals in Kingdom Hearts? Are there betrayals in Kingdom Hearts? Did you just ask? <laughs> yeah, are there? <laughs> I can't think of any. <laughs> The entire ending of Birth by Sleep. 
I don't. That's not a bit. That's not a betrayal. My man gets taken over. It wasn't willful. Okay, we cannot argue about no. <laughs> yes, no, we're so I can't. close. <laughs> All right, we'll argue about this later, and Matt can put it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, I really like as a bonus episode. <laughs> no. Yeah. I like the scale and the pacing of this game immediately. It feels galactic in a way that episode two extremely did not right off the bat. All the old favorites are here. And because they are like just racing to get to the point the whole time and shove what could be pace killing uh, side material and lore material into the database, it just it goes down so smooth. If I remember correctly, this pacing and scale and like the way that everything basically the whole game is like the opening bit of Xenosaga 2. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's my memory of it. Is that it's all bangers the whole time? (laughs) It's all bangers because that's all they could fit into the game. Yeah. Yeah. Here's all the high points from four games. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say that, like, okay, I didn't read all the extra stuff that we discussed at the beginning of this episode, but like, (laughs) right? Like, but going into this, like, I knew there was a lot of plot stuff that happened off screen, but I think they do a decent job slimming that down so that I can kind of get what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. feel completely alienated by all of that other context. Yeah. That just because Voyager's there. backstory's not gonna matter. It's sick, mm-hmm. but it's not gonna matter. Other than Ziggy's gonna be extra mad at him for some reason. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Actually, well, we'll you know, we'll what, there, you know I what I mean. Like in spirit, that kind of thing does not necessarily directly yeah. matter. Yeah. Oh. yeah, it it's more than you would think. But I get I get what you mean. But also, I think you even even at that scale, it's still a little wrong. But still. Either either way, either way, like you'd expect that, like you show up and you know your main character has left the one thing that was like her identity, which is her whole job, and now she's a terrorist and is doing all this other stuff. And like you'd think that would give you serious whiplash if you hadn't delved into everything, but yeah, it does go down pretty smooth. And like, there's just something about the production values and like just the the pacing of the script and like. Everything here is just so much more polished that it ends up feeling much better than I think either of the first two games, at least in terms of like the moment to moment. So yeah, pretty into it. Sybil. I'm loving this. Awesome. Yeah. Pretty, pretty stoked. Commercials. Yeah, you can listen to Boku no Stop, our anime podcasts. There's the free version where we are still talking about Monster. And forever. There is for, forever. Five from the end. We'll be forever. done Q1. That's so long. <laughs> yeah. You called it Q1 and not two weeks from now. That's, that's <laughs> video game release timetable language. I said we'll be done in Q1. Because I know. if yeah. we were doing those weekly, we'd finished, uh, we'd probably be done, like, first week of January. I probably would have killed myself if I had to record this anime podcast every week. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but yeah, uh, I think we're still discussing what we're going to do next. It's either Flip Flappers or the Women Called Fujiko Mine. We're definitely doing Women Called Fujiko Mine because that's been on my list for a while, and that's supposed to be very good. It rules. But also, there is Boku no Stop Premium, where we have just finished G Gundam, and we're going to start hooray. Jujutsu Kaisen. Also, hooray! 
Yeah, tell me how that is, because it's the show that I keep confusing. It's with great. Demon Slayer. No, it's great. Okay. Demon Slayer is bad because I haven't seen it, and Jujutsu Kaisen, which I have seen, is good. <laughs> so what you're saying is G Gundam is good? No. <laughs> Just be you, when you when you see it, it has the possibility of becoming good. It's bad until you've observed it. Oh, okay. So it's uh, Quantum Gundam. Got it. Correct. So it's what uh, after Gundam Gundam X is always going to be for me. It, it's going to oh, be God. the it, it's the Gundam that like you like at the beginning for its goofiness. You hate it in the middle, but the end is so sick. You kind of think it's good again. Oh, it's I, so good. I didn't. ever. It's like be invoked for the last three episodes. Oh, Let's go. It's fucking wild. I didn't I didn't fully get I the sickness of the ending made me even angrier at the bloat of the middle uh, at the end of the day. I was oh, yeah, like, I where, get that. where the fuck was this show in the middle? Robots hold hands. I love that. Yeah, yeah but you can't hold hands with nuclear hands, Chris. <laughs> but, but that what happens all the time about? between the Master Gundam and the God Gundam. I'm, make, yeah, I'm making a yeah. joke about an old. Slogan, you can't hug kids with nuclear arms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No wonder the left is uh, like on the back foot. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that sucks. It's from the Do 60s. Better. It's from the 60s. Where Do better. <laughs> God, I'm a Republican now. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving that clip. <laughs> There's Enjoy a clean it. sound bite. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like a time where I were able to cleanly cut out Matt saying I'm horny. <laughs> I think we've got one of those earlier in this too. Yeah, this is. This Did is you do that back. at the beginning of the podcast like I wanted you to? <laughs> uh, I forget. Oh, it's Sybil's turn now. Yep. Uh, you can find all of the bazillion projects I do at hellscaper.com. There's a lot of shows I do off this network because I'm a pain pig. <laughs> there there have been several episodes of Gotta Get Out of This Town that I have been living for recently. I need to get back on that. It's good shit. Good news. We just played we just did the 2003 wrap up where I surprised Ellie with a lot of games like guess which artist we covered won an MTV Video Music Award. Ugh. Yes. Good. Yes. Can't wait. Yep. It's Kelly Osbourne, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Would you believe Bowling for the... Soup won an yeah. award? Bowling oh, for Lord. Soup. Lord. Oh my god. Was that, and that was Oh god, what's yeah, for, for, a, for a single or an album? For a single. That's like when when Mudvayne, who had exactly one cool new metal song, won like best new band for that one new metal song, and then they made Is that the crash. beard guy? That's the beard guy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. God, That's all that, I know about Mudvayne. <laughs> that fucking stupid ass video is so goddamn good. Speaking of Mudvayne, did you know multiple pop punk artists lost entire VMA categories to Puddle of Mud's Blurry? I did. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, there's some fun gems in that wrap up episode. That's Shit. not even like the fun puddle of mud song. <laughs> no, it's the whiny one that's sad about a breakup, and it's like mm. it's mumbly and it's just kind of mushy. It's like, puddle of mud, Zeno Saga two. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> god, <laughs> I am so never glad I don't letting care about music. I'm never letting Wes Scantlin make contact with Utu. And never. <laughs> he 
he would absolutely go full albedo. He would. He would go full albedo. <laughs> I want you to know that I'm going to make sure you know reality is... <laughs> Does Albedo's voice actor voice someone else? I forget who it is, He's but Crispin I'm like, this Freeman. sounds extreme. No, no, no. In the game. I'm like, this sounds almost exactly like Albedo without doing the voice. Uh, I can check. One second. I can't remember who it is. Oh, I guess he's someone in uh, Jujutsu Kaisen 2. Well, I learned that now. Now you gotta he watch it. Plays, he plays Guinan. That's what I thought. I was like, these sound like the same voice. Yeah, yes, it's Albedo and Guinan. Okay. That, that makes sense, right? Sort of? He yeah. was also Jin in the first game when they had him only oh, do one line. Excuse oh me? Oh my god! Yeah, for his one cameo, that's, uh, that's Crispin Freeman. Amazing. Oh my god, that's so good! That's extremely good. That is incredibly funny, actually. Wow. God, I can't believe Jin is a cool weeaboo. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense suddenly. Oh shit, he's also rude in Crisis Core. Yes. Great. You Look, can listen to music I make. It's not his fault. But yeah, you can you can listen to music I make on SoundCloud at Catastrophizer. You can also listen to uh, my band, Canon and Devarin, on Bandcamp at canonandevarin.bandcamp.com. Wow, this guy looks awful. Don't Chris look McFreeman? at a picture of him. He looks bad. He just looks like a guy. He looks like a CW actor. That's far from the worst he, thing you could be. He's got voice actor face. It's fine. <laughs> wow. Chris, I guarantee he could get it more than any <laughs> member of this podcast. Uh, excuse me. I bit back Everybody several beats. incredibly biting comments. <laughs> I just love that that silenced the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he played Togusa. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Just this is a bad fucking picture. Ryan Bustigan. Listen, I have sex. <laughs> Grats on the sack. Oh yeah, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to Chris and I's podcast, Icons and Icons, by visiting our Patreon at pitchdrop.cash, pitchdrop.crash, and kicking in as little as a month. It's cash. It's cash. It is this. Podcast. I just can't be bothered to edit this one text file <laughs> one time. For yeah, months. I throw that in just to fuck with you every time to see how long it would take God you to damn fix it. it. It's about this. It's this podcast, but instead, it's about Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. <laughs> but there's just the amount, same amount of racism talk as in Crash. <laughs> yeah. Look, and, to and be fair, we do break it, We break into a place called the Spawning Pool, kill a bunch of uh, fishmen and their uh, their children, and then steal their crystal and leave. It's fine. Yeah, the crystal. Part one of four. I have a fetch quest. Yeah. Let's just go on a victimization tour. <laughs> You just oh, reminded me God. I need to kill a bunch of mermaids in SMT5. Yeah. <laughs> That's all until next time when we'll be talking about the cat testing ground until the Cosmos helmed save screen. Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. See ya. <laughs> Finally done with this episode. <laughs> and wait for tomorrow.